Fierce Athlete Podcast. We are female athletes being raw and real about the joys and struggles of life, both on and off the field. We share how faith can both heal our wounds and reveal true beauty. Play fierce. Pray fierce. Live fierce. Welcome back to the Fierce Athlete Podcast. This is Sam Kelly, and I am so excited to introduce our guest today. She is a new friend. Uh, Bailey Landry Domain uh, was an LSU All-American, two-time All-American softball player. Um, actually, she's our first softball player that we've had on the podcast. And now Bailey plays uh, professionally out of Texas. So super excited to talk to, talk to her and, and learn about her experience today. Welcome, Bailey. Thanks for having me, Sam. Awesome. Well, um, Bailey, we've just been chatting a little bit, and I'm just really excited to, to talk more about uh, your career and um, your faith and your life and the things that you've learned and are continuing to learn. Um, but let's start off. Let's start off with your with your sports background. Tell tell us um, about softball. When did you start playing? Why did you choose LSU? And and what brought you to playing professionally? Yeah, so I played all kinds of different sports growing up, but softball was really the one that stuck. Uh, I started playing when I was seven, and so I played at grassroots level. Played on a um, on a little parish team. So we have parishes in Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana, not county. So played on a little parish team, um, played one year of that, and then went straight to travel ball from there. Played competitive travel ball all the way up till college. Played at LSU for four years, and then now I play professionally um, out of Texas. So softball has been a great, great, great journey. My time at LSU was absolutely incredible. It was my dream school to go there. And I got to compete in the World Series three years in a row, my sophomore through senior year. Yeah, and then being named an All-American was an absolute dream. And then being drafted to play professionally, I've done that. I just wrapped up my third season. So being professional as a female in athletics is really cool, especially in softball. So trying to grow the game, continue playing as long as I can, and uh, just doing what God has me. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're from Louisiana. You know, I'm I'm from Connecticut and I went to UConn and um, that was kind of a big deal. Like you, you, I don't know, it was really special when I'd have all these young girls who were either from my hometown or knew of me um, from my career growing up and were able to come watch me, you know, play at, play at the collegiate level. Um, was, it, was there that for you? Was that part of the reason you chose LSU was because you're from Louisiana and, and how was that experience? So I grew up about 25, 30 minutes outside of campus. Um, my family are diehard LSU fans, grew up going to football games every single year, went to softball games, basketball games, gymnastics meets, all, all the good stuff. So LSU's always been about family for me. I have most of my childhood memories are from tailgating for the football games <laughs> and other family members. And so that was just something that um, I think instilled a lot of pride in me was that I want to play at this level so I can compete for LSU and just do something that was always so important to me and close to my heart and my family's hearts. And so um, committing to go there was really special, especially being the hometown girl. And so that was something that through my career was really special because I was the person that all the local girls that came to the games could say, you know, she played at the same ballparks as I did. She shops at the same grocery stores. We have the same last name or 
I know her because she does this and I do that and my mom knows her mom and her <laughs> cousins or whatever it might be. Like I found out I had all kinds of different cousins from, they, we probably weren't even cousins, but just <laughs> found ways to connect with me that I thought was so special and so cool. And um, I think in the community, it was also very cool that I was able to grow the sport just by people knowing me because um, it is such a tight knit community. Louisiana is all about family, community, having a good time. And so I could not count the amount of times that people said, oh, well, I didn't watch softball until, you know, I knew you played. And so I watched mm-hmm. it and now I love it and I watch it all the time. And so for me, that was really cool to not only, you know, represent myself and my family and my state at the hometown school, but also to be able to grow the game just because, oh, they knew somebody that played. Yeah. So, it was been a really cool experience with that. That's so cool. And that, that you know, that's one of the, yeah, just the beauties of sport. You know, it's something that people can identify with. They love to watch. They can almost feel like they're participating in. And, um, you know, especially when they know somebody who's playing. And that person, you know, they they are an ambassador for the sport. And they welcome that fan base in. Um, yeah, I just love that about sport. Is it's, it's Yes, it is about us who are competing. and But it's also about the fan base and about using it as a as a platform to you know obviously like you said to increase the the popularity of the sport um but also to um show people how we can play the sport with virtue or play the sport with joy um and and be an example a positive example i'd say for others absolutely yeah so that was one definitely positive of sport you know you using your platform to increase yeah notoriety for, you know, to the game and, and to inspire young girls. Like that must, that must have been so special, you know, for that you. Was, that was one of my favorite parts was getting to be the person that people looked up to. Cause I was once that little girl who looked up to those people. So being in that separate or that different position, um, it was so unique. It was so special. That's one of my favorite parts about playing is that no matter what if you have a good day or bad day people love you just because they love you and they want to be where you're at and so it was always very humbling that even after a bad game there's kids that great game like I'm your biggest fan and it just kind of it brings you back down to the fact that okay you're not like you're not above this game you're not anything you're you're doing what you're doing because God has you here and he wants to do good and these kids just love you because you're you not if you strike out four times not if you get a home run or a ton of base hits like they love you because you were just you and so that was that was always such a great experience yeah well it's it's as you're talking it's funny because I'm just thinking identity you know and and you know the kingdom of God belongs to the childlike and what a, I mean what a parallel because as athletes like how often I mean, I fell into this all the time. Did I define myself by my performance? I had a great, I had a great game. Uh, you know, I felt really good about myself. I had a bad game. I felt really crappy about myself, you know, and I struggle with that. And for you, you know, it's like you, sh- you know, you strike out four times, which I'm sure happens rarely. Um, you know, <laughs> um, and, and the, you know, these little, these little kids still love you, you know, or, or you hit, you know, three home runs. Has that happened? No, not three home runs. Not me. me. (laughs) How about two? Yes. Okay. You hit two home runs. Um, Have a great game, you know, and, 
you know, these kids are, they're, they're excited. I mean, maybe there'll be a little bit, they delight in the fact that, you know, you did well, but they still, they still admire you. And that's like the same, it's the same as God's love, you know, like God loves the fact that you play softball, loves the fact that you play it well, he gave you those gifts. And so does he rejoice when you hit two home runs? Absolutely. Um, but he doesn't love you any less if you strike out four times, you know? So it just kind of reminded me of that. I don't know. That parallel is just kind of cool. Well, what other, what other things did you learn from sport? I mean, or are you continuing to learn? Um, how has it helped you develop who you are as a person, your faith life? Like what are some of those things that you've learned? Yes. So this is something we talk about forever. I've learned so much about myself. Um, I'm still continuing to learn every day. I think this past season, um, I learned a ton about kind of taking a step back, I think, in being a good teammate. I think this season, more than any other season, um, I have had to take on, I'm not, I would say a different role, but I learned what it was to be a good teammate and I did it well. Like, I think you always know what a good teammate does, you know, what those characteristics are, but it's very hard to do, especially when you're in a different role than what you're used to. Um, and I've done it not well before. And so I think that this season more than anything, you know, some games I was starting, some games I was helping out our media um, team and doing live tweets during a game, coming from someone who was a four-year starter at one of the top Division One SEC softball schools that's always in the World Series and postseason, and being that person in college that was a starter, was the one in the top of the lineup, was the one, you know, kind of doing some of the big things for the school. And then I go into professional and I do well. Well, when you're in professional, everybody's really good, you know? And so we had different needs at different times. And I think balancing that talent is something that is very difficult for a coaching staff. Um, but at the same time, recognizing and um, accepting the fact that there are other very good people on this team. And just right now is not my time. Like I'll play next game or, I played last game or whatever the situation might be. Um, I think I was surrounded by such great people and I was able to truly cheer them on and be their biggest fans, even when it wasn't my time to play. And so I think that that was definitely a unique and different role that I haven't had to do before or act out. Um, and so I had to learn a lot and it was hard. I'm not going to say it was super easy, but at the same time, I think I grew as a person because I was able to, you know, I know what it's like to be in that big moment, but also know what it's like to cheer on the people in that big moment. And so um, I think it's a very hard position to be in and to take, especially being from one to the other. But I think I did it pretty well and I learned and grew as a person for sure. But um, other than that, I would say just I learned more than anything, I think, from sport that when they say, oh, you can do anything you put your mind to, that that's 100 percent truth. Like you absolutely can. I think we underestimate how strong and powerful our minds are and just how strong and powerful God is and like how he can use us in different ways. Because I look back on when I signed with LSU, my, I guess, junior, senior year of high school. I'm not really sure which one it was. Um, I could not even make up the experiences that I have had since then. Um, just the worldview, the um, lessons I've learned, the experiences I've had. Um, I think, you know, going to the World Series three times, you know, that's that I never imagined that that would happen. I just, I put my heart and soul into wanting to play at LSU and being the best player I could be for them. And that in turn was 
multiplied like that experience was multiplied by so much um but I would really just say that your mind is so powerful and what you put into it is so powerful and how you think and what you allow into your life what you put into your life just like what we put into our workouts or what we put into our practice um it's such a parallel to life and the faith life and spiritual life and um it's been really cool to figure out how those things all integrate with one another and see it for better and for worse um because there are some positives there are some negatives but I think just seeing how much sport has to do with real life and how I think those life lessons that people don't learn for years and years I think those experiences are kind of um, expedited in sport like you learn them a lot faster I guess because you're with people that you don't necessarily get to choose who you're with who have totally different life experiences totally different beliefs um, have been brought up grown up totally different from you and here you are working together for one goal and how you do that determines how good you are as a team and so that obviously happens in the work life as well but I think in sport it brings out this unique um competitiveness and uh, response that maybe you don't see in a workplace. And I think it just shows character a lot faster mm-hmm. and um, how you respond to things a lot faster. And so I think that sport just has this unique way of showing us the world. And it's been very, very interesting to say the least. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. Sports so incredible like that. And, you know, we were talking earlier and you're, you're literally playing against international teams so you're you know you're meeting people who are from all over the world you know and don't even speak your language and here you are able to um, interact with them in a certain way compete against them encourage them Um, it's yeah it's just such a a microcosm for life but uh, but also a cool experience Um, and when you can learn you know you know it sounds like you know you're learning this even now to, to approach sport with positivity and joy and um, encourage your teammates, even when, you know, you don't get the chance to play um, the same way you would when you are playing. Yeah, because it really is so easy. Like you say, oh, be a good teammate. Well, it's easy when you're the starter and you do well, mm-hmm. you know, and it really has another meaning to put yourself in someone else's shoes that, you know, maybe doesn't get that many opportunities. And so, yeah, it really is um, – you just learn. Mm-hmm. You really do. You learn. So. Yeah. What would be, you know, let's, let's talk to the kid who, yeah, maybe right now they're, they are sitting on the bench, um, whether they're injured or they're not getting enough playing time, or there is, you know, other incredible talent that's, that's getting a, a pass at, at being able to play. Um, what would your advice be to them? You know, what, what have you learned just from, from some of those experiences recently? I think that the biggest thing that separates good athletes from elite athletes and um, those that succeed on such a high level and get to be able to succeed at that high level is 100% your mindset Um, because it's like you have to have an elite way of thinking and kind of what I said about what you put in is what you get out. Like, are you sitting on the bench feeling sorry for yourself and having negative self-talk and envying those who do have playing time or are you cheering for them are you thinking of ways that you can get better thinking about okay if I put in this extra time before after practice or maybe have a conversation with your coach in a way that says you know 
Um, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to try to get an opportunity. What does that look like for me? And things like that. And so I think that if you are in a situation where maybe you're not getting a lot of playing time, um, show up, continue showing up, continue committing to the process. The process looks different for everyone and know that there's not one recipe for success. Not everyone's process looks the same. And I think that that was another thing that I had to accept as well. Um, because, you know, maybe a coaching staff or maybe different players on your team expect that, okay, if you're working hard, that means that it looks like X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe for another athlete doing their best looks like ABC. Mm -hmm. I think, um, knowing that everyone process, everyone's process is different. Um, and that's okay. Not that one's better than the other. It's just people succeed and are there at their best at different ways. And so, um, I would say find out what works best for you. Keep people around you that are positive and never look to those on the field as envious because you're all fighting for the same thing. And so always say, you know, like, what can I do to put myself in a better situation to succeed? And I think if, if you always have positive people around you, if you have people around you that are like, oh, your coach is silly or, you know, you're the best and all these things, then I feel like that's not really a healthy situation. Mm -hmm. I think you need to have people that say, you know, here's what you do well. Let's work on this. Maybe that you don't do as well. So definitely keep a positive circle. Find out what works best for you. And you're all on the same team. So just continue working hard and know what matters most to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, like there would be times in college where, um, and our listeners know a little bit of my background. I had suffered a 13-month knee injury, and it took about three years to come back. Mm -hmm. Um you know, so I sat, I sat the bench for three years, really. Uh, and then, you know, had some playing time my senior year by my fifth year was captain and, and started. Um, but, you know, there were times when maybe I wasn't the best player on the field or on the team. You know, obviously I was on the bench a lot, but where my <laughs> attitude earned me playing time. And I know that because, you know, I always kept my head down. I always worked the hardest. Um but I always was positive. And that was, that was really hard because yeah, you would, you would hear talk of other girls on the bench, you know, tearing each other apart or moping or, and it's, it's, it's really hard to not fall into that. Um, but I always like kind of took it upon myself to be the leader of, of the bench, if you will. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, and that was good because I, we, you know, when you're on a team, it is about team success. Like obviously I wanted to play and start more than anything. And, and that eventually came. Um, but I can look back at my career and say, I still had a part because I was always standing up, always cheering, um, always finding little ways before games to encourage the kids that were going to play, whether that was writing them a note or um, giving a high five or, you know, encouraging them. Um, I think there are really ways that we can, yeah, we can love our teammates um, and, and, and show them that we, yes, we love them because they play and because they're, they're good, but we just love them for who they are as well. You know? Absolutely. That's yes. Awesome. And like maybe one day I'm not going to be the starter. I'm not going to play. And I know that. And so I'm going to take the time to where the kid on the sideline that brought their gloves to the game with whoever, you know, I'm going to go play catch with them because it matters. You know, I'm going to make their day. I'm going to make 
a memory that lasts a lifetime. I remember small moments that players that I looked up to took out for me, and I still remember them, and I still look up to that. And so if I can create a fan, create a moment, and create a memory um, and have them use that as fuel to become the best softball player, then I'm not only helping my team, but I'm helping the overall sport by getting people to just fall in love with it for just a small gesture that may mean the world to a small fan, you know? Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Because you're right, they will remember that for the rest of their lives. And that could change their trajectory of maybe they're on the fence about playing or uh, maybe they're struggling with something. Or We never know what, what ki- little is kids, especially today, are going through. And to take the time to do that is just so sweet. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love interacting with their fans. They are the future of our sport, you know. And so it's whatever I can do to help lead that mark. And, you know, it's about being a great softball player and a great person. And so... Um, just growing that from that level, I think is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just, uh, you know, a great, a great Christian, a great Catholic, you know, that you're, you're loving people selflessly, which is, which is the bottom line, which is the most important. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your faith. Um, I'd love to hear kind of, yeah, what's your background? Did you grow up Catholic? Um, How did you come to the point where, you know, it sounds like you just have a really healthy perspective on the integration of faith and sport and identity. How did that come about? So I grew up Catholic, went to private school through eighth grade. Um, And so I think it was really, you know, we went to church every Sunday. Um, Like a lot of families, when it was season time, we play in the summer, we play on the weekends. Sometimes you miss mass. Um, But, you know, for the most part, we were, I mean, every Sunday we were in church, uh, still are. And going to church as a family has been very important to us. And so, um, you know, as I was growing up, I knew it was important. Um, my grandmother prays her rosary every single day. She has her pocketbook of prayers. She always let us know that she was praying for us and thank God for grandmas because they're getting us all to heaven. <laughs> that was mine too. <laughs> 100% grandmas. But um, no, so I grew up, my whole family's Catholic, big Cajun South Louisiana family, which a lot of times means you're Catholic. So um, it's always been a part of how I grew up, um, South Louisiana definitely has a big Catholic culture, like the parish, like I said, I live in instead of a county. Um, that's from the Catholic Church because we're so Catholic down here. Um, the parish that I live in is called Ascension Parish. So super, <laughs> a lot of Catholic stuff. I love it. And I love explaining that to people that come awesome. in. I'm like, yeah, we're super Catholic down here. It's not just Mardi Gras, like, <laughs> which is also, I guess, based in Catholicism too. But anyways, um, so yes, grew up Catholic, went to private school, um, it was around the time that I confirmed that it kind of freaked me out that I wouldn't have any more formal religious education because I always loved religion class in school. And so for me, you know, and as I confirmed when I was a junior in high school. And so for me, um, I was getting to that point where I was getting older. It was my responsibility to take on my faith and have more of a adult or mature understanding more so than the um, I guess you could say primary understanding that we're taught in school and, you know, I was in private school at a lower level of grades, but um, I just really took that responsibility on myself, started growing, started developing a prayer life. Um, and I think really to just what I received from confirmation also helped, you know, knowing what it is. I think that that was just part of the confirmation process that was, okay, you're kind of stepping into adulthood in your um, Catholic faith. And so, be an adult, step up and learn what it is that you're saying that you believe in. And so I think from there, um, going into college, I was very blessed with 
the outreach and the community and ministry that we had at LSU, uh, the church on campus is Christ the King. They do an amazing job with ministry and reaching out and bringing people into the sacraments. And so um, I think at that point in my life, I was really just kind of looking to validate and just search and find what it meant to be Catholic. I always identified as that, but kind of went through the motions and, you know, went to mass because you had to. And that was on Sunday. Like I enjoyed it, but I didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was a very, I always ask questions as a kid. Still do. My favorite question is why. And so when I went to mass and I started getting that more adult understanding, I was like, well, why do we do this? Why do we believe in this? And I think the unique thing about the Catholic church is that you can keep asking why, and there's always answers. Mm. Um, and it all goes back to Jesus. So it's all very, it's all very um, good because it's so truthful and there's just so much depth. And I think you continue to ask questions for your, the rest of your life and you still may not understand everything because there is so much beauty and so much depth to it. But um, just I started listening to talks on YouTube because, you know, playing sports, you don't get to go to retreats. You don't get to go to these conferences that they have. They have great Catholic, um, you know, organizations and different places that allow you to experience these things. But playing a sport, that's pretty much all year round. You don't get to do those things. So um, I kind of found it where I was able to have it, which was, you know, if I was had an hour between practice and studying I would listen to a talk online and just kind of read books or just whatever it was and um so I actually went through a breakup right when I started college and so that really had me questioning you know what is love what does that mean what does that look like and like I said Christ the King had amazing um ministry and so I would go sit in adoration and just kind of ponder on what that meant and I think for anyone who's done that for any great deal of time you understand that you can't just go sit in adoration and not be changed. Mm. Um, and so adoration was a big part of my routine. Um, going to confession, going back after a few years, confession always scares me or scared me. It's all, it's super intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, when, after going to adoration, after learning what I did after becoming a part of small group Bible studies, I remember one day I was going to adoration that night and I walked in and the confessional door was open. So I was like, okay, I know what you're telling me and I'm going to (laughs) go. And it was the most beautiful thing ever. I actually had one of my teammates with me. Um, She was coming to adoration with me and she hadn't gone for a while either. And so it was just, it it was a really beautiful experience for both of us. And after that, I kind of got into more frequent confessions and it just turned into more of a um, a, a house tidying thing, you know, had to tidy up my soul every now Mm -hmm. and then. And so um, I think just integrating the, um, you know, the sacraments and going to mass and making sure that, you know, I was very blessed to have a Catholic coach in college. And so she would make it a point to make it available for us that if we were on the road on a Sunday, that we'd be able to go either that morning or we had very flexible times till 10 p.m. at Christ the King on Hillary's campus. So there's really no excuse not to find a mass. And so um, just making that, you know, yes, we do have softball, but it's not as more important than making mass. So I think um, making it a point that, you know, maybe when I was younger, I didn't go to mass when we played on Sundays, but you know, now in my adult life, I'm choosing to, and this is the path I'm going to take. So um, I think just integrating that into my, you know, as a collegiate athlete, you have a very 
tidy schedule. And a lot of times it's not made, you're not making it, it's made for you. And so I think just whatever opportunities I had was, um, you know, going to adoration once a week or doing a Bible study and even leading a Bible study later on in my college years. Um, that's really what got me going and just kind of made me fall in love. And I'll never forget the very first mass that I went to my freshman year of college. And I always get the goosebumps when I talk about it. The end of the priest's homily, his challenge for us was, I challenge you by the time you leave this campus to fall in love with Jesus. Mm. And I get the chills talking about it every single time. And I just think that that was something that in my heart, I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know? And so going through things I did right after that, and then just the whole process of it, I can definitely say through my four years, I completely fell in love with Jesus and his church mm. at LSU. And so that community means just so much to me. But moving forward from there, um, I think I've just really grown and blossomed into what that faith looks like into now adult life and being in the real world and now into marriage and just all those things. So mm. that's kind of background of my story on how my faith kind of started integrating into my life. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And it, I love how you when we train for a sport, for example, like, you know, that you're going to have to put in time and different types of training, whether that's, um, weightlifting or agility or actual, you know, playing the game. Um, and all those things are, are to build towards a goal of getting better at your sport, you know, and it's almost like you were, were given this goal, um, of like, okay, I want to fall in love with Jesus. And you had to find creative ways and it takes effort. Like, there's yeah. such a parallel. You have to do things and commit to things in order to be in a relationship with the Lord, to encounter him. And it's just beautiful that you, and I love that you were creative, you know, and you had an hour and you pulled up, you know, you pulled up a podcast, or you pulled up a YouTube talk on the faith. Um, or, you know, you, you know, maybe had a night off and you spent that going to prayer on Sundays, you fought to go to mass. Um, and those things over time, um, yeah, allow you to encounter the Lord, allowed you and continue to allow you, um, to encounter the Lord deeper and to interact with him. And then it just becomes as, as with any relationship, it just becomes like, I mean, you probably talk to him all day long. That's how, that's what I do, you know? Um, but it's definitely still important to, to do those things, to study scripture, to go to confession, the tidying of the soul. I love when you said that, um, to go to mass, um, and it, and it really just does then, yeah, become this relationship um, and it's integrated into our lives for sure. It just, with it being so accessible and so universal, it makes it a lot easier, but then also being so intentional with, I'm going to do this or where can this fit into my schedule? And just being so, um, like I said, intentional with that is really what helps because it's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm going to go do this, but until for me, at least until it's in my planner, it probably won't happen. <laughs> it was definitely, um, being super intentional about, I'm going to do this because this is what my soul needs. And this is going to be a part of this equation that is going to help me succeed in life. You know, cause I knew that if I went a significant amount of time without going to adoration or, you know, these extra things that our church would put on, um, you know, I, I was kind of off and then that would translate into my schoolwork and that would translate into my performance on the field. And so that was part of my equation that, you know, maybe my ABC looks different from someone else's XYZ, but that was part of my life 
that helped me um, helped me succeed in all the above because I couldn't just dedicate my time to just sport or just school or just church, even though I wish I could. But, <laughs> um, you know, I had to have a healthy balance of all of it. And so that accessibility and intentionality of this is what it's going to be and this is what my schedule is going to look like. Um, I think that helps kind of interweave all of them. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 when you do that, when you do choose uh, to have a faith life to encounter the Lord, you, you kind of find your the rest of your life integrates, right? You just have this healthy perspective on sport, on life, on hardship, um, and it yeah, it's really like one of the most important things. I mean, it is the most important thing that we can do. But you know, people often I think think that. Um, you know, our faith can be a distraction from sport or these things can, you know, oh, you're taking the time to go pray. Well, shouldn't you be watching film? Or, but it's, if you want to, I'm sorry, if you want me to be the best athlete I can be, actually, this is some of the most important things I can be doing because it creates just a healthy um, peace of heart, a clear mind, you know, um, a, a clean soul, like we're body and soul. And so that affects, I don't know if you found that, like affects how I play. Um, I yeah. But just because the first two things that came to my mind was clarity, like clarity and peace were the two words that came to my mind when I was, when you were speaking about that. And those first two words that you chose to describe, you know, what it means to integrate your faith in into your athletic. So I thought of those two words were pretty cool that we both thought about at the same time because it, it's true. It yeah. really is. Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit right there. And <laughs> it's just truth. Yeah. Um, well, what about, you know, let's, so we've talked a little bit about the positive support. We talked about your faith, um, and kind of the integration. How about what has been maybe some of the, the hard parts about sports, maybe some, um, trials you've encountered and, and how has maybe your, your faith or your positive perspective on life and sport, how has that helped you? Yeah. So, um, similarly, I did experience an injury, not as bad as yours, not nearly as long of a recovery time as yours. Um, however, after my sophomore year, which was probably senior was probably my best year performance-wise in college, um, at the World Series, I woke up one day, stepped on the ground, and almost fell over. I had a stress fracture in my foot, and it was before we even started playing. And so the World Series is quite a length of time. It's not just a few days. And so, um, you know, trying to play on it without really a diagnosis at the time, um, was difficult and adrenaline brought me through. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was able to take care of it as well as I could, but um, that summer I was nursing that foot and it was supposed to be a shorter recovery than what it was and it ended up bleeding into my junior year, coming off my first All-American year and um, the a great uh, World Series run. We came out third, uh, one game short of the championship series. And so um, as one of the leaders and starters on the team, you know, that was really difficult for me because I remember very significantly the first thing that we do as a team every year is we run our conditioning test. And I had to sit back and watch all my teammates do that. And that was hard for me because that was the very first thing that we did. And now I'm an upperclassman, you know, people, um, you know, they look up to you, I guess, and you're kind of like a, a leader for the team. And here I was wanted to be a part of everything and I had to sit back and watch. And that was just kind of the first of a lot of things. And so it was just a lingering injury, one that doesn't necessarily put you completely out, but once you have to kind of like ease back into, um, cause it's not like a break or anything like that. It's just kind of 
really aggravated. And so um, it's more of like a rest injury. And if it's on your foot, it's really difficult when you're a student um, walking to class, just a young human being. Um, and then also an athlete to where, okay, maybe if it's like your arm, you can still do stuff with your legs, but your legs, like you need that for everything. And so yeah. it's difficult to find that balance of rest and then coming back and then trusting that your body is healed enough and that you can continue to play. And so there's just a lot of um, negative things, I guess, surrounding that. I wasn't in the best place mentally. And I always tell people, I think one of the hardest things in sport is that nobody ever talks about what the mentality to recovery is like. Mm. I think you can relate to that as well, because it is so difficult. Um, especially as an athlete, like trusting your body that it's going to be back at the same level. Um, and then easing back into that. I say that because very rarely do you see athletes be able to go from not at all to a hundred percent. And so reteaching yourself, having grace and patience with yourself to get back up to that level is very difficult. And also experiencing, um, that step back that you have to take when you do have an injury. And so, um, there was a lot of other, sources of negativity um happening around that time i guess with our team our team chemistry was really off um and i don't know if it came from you know coming off of a really big year trying to um, not imitate but um you know do well but at the same time change yourself i don't know it was just a weird team chemistry thing um i was just not in a really good place um and so i was able to have i had great friends, my best friends I met there, um, for life. And so they were instrumental in helping me recover and walk through that. My now husband, who was my boyfriend at that time, he was amazing. And it was actually through that injury that I realized like, okay, this is the dude I want to marry. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) walked with me through that season was just incredible. And so I think just having positive people around me, um, and just kind of taking a step back and my family was super supportive too. And so, Um, I think that's really where my start with identity and struggling with that really came from, because that was the first time. And I'm very lucky to be able to say that, that it, I don't know, um, 19, 20 years old was the first time that I had to step back from the game, Mm. you know? So that, um, that was difficult, but, you know, I think from there I was able to start, um, recognizing that it wasn't my identity and I was called to more and it just really said okay these are the things that you formed and you say you believe so let's see how it goes when things aren't going well because Mm -hmm. if things aren't going well it really tests what you say that you believe when things are going good and so um that really led me to a lot of self-discovery as well so I would say an injury for sure um was definitely a hardship that I had to face in my sport career that really it was difficult, but it helped me learn a lot about myself. And then also around the, about the people around me, um, how to cope in difficult situations. And then, like I said, that was one of the toughest things I went through as far as softball wise. And so that was just something I really had to learn from. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's often those, yeah, those hardest times in our, our careers that it's almost where we grow the most from, you know, and then you learn to just appreciate, I appreciated playing so much more when I came back, you know, and I I had this, um, like you said, kind of newfound realization that, yeah, I love the sport, this sport, and it is a huge part of who I am, but I'm still loved without it, you know, um, 
but I, yeah, I want to get back and I want to play and that's a great gift. And it's, it's good to, to get back to that point as you've gotten back to. Um, mm-hmm. but now there is that, like you said, that extra appreciation, that realization of the truth of my identity as, as a daughter of God. Um, and then playing from that place of integration and freedom just allows, allowed me, I could say, to just play with that much more joy and appreciation. Absolutely. Cool. Well, we had also talked a little bit about this. I think um, soccer and softball can be a little similar in mm-hmm. that um, I would often get labeled um, in my career as, as maybe masculine, or I, I kind of believe this lie that um, I was less feminine than other women. And we, and I, and I now know that that's a lie. Like by the fact that I was created a woman, I'm feminine. Right. And I can live that out or I can reject it. Um, in, in how I play my sport and how I live my life. Um, but yeah, how have you kind of, um, dealt with that? You know, some of the labels put on you and, and just, yeah, lived, lived your career as an integrated feminine, beautiful woman. So I think one of the most authentic ways to just be feminine is just to be who you are like just to celebrate who you are not necessarily try to match up to what a masculine person does um because i think by trying to be like something you're not it's a, it, like it's cheapening what you are mm-hmm. and so the whole softball baseball thing it's been a huge like battle my whole time playing softball which i think is so ridiculous because they're two totally different games two totally different tactics it's very it's the same skill set it is exact same skill set however the games are totally different mm-hmm. the pace that they are the obviously the um you know the field size the base size um the ball size all those things, how you pitch, just the mechanics of the male versus female body. Like each each game is catered to what the male and female body can do and does. Not that any's better than the other. It's just it is what it is. And there are females that play baseball and there are males that play softball. Um, but the games are what they are. And like I said, trying to be like one another or trying to compete with the other, it takes away from the authenticity of what it truly is. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I was never one of those girls. I was like, oh, softball's better than baseball or whatever. Because you, you see that. And um, a lot of girls always try to say, oh, well, softball players are better. And I just think that's a bunch of baloney. Um, <laughs> just be what you are. Be the best at what you are. Um, I've always been the type of player that um, don't talk about it. Do it and mm. be it and show it. And if your mouth is moving but your body's not doing what you're saying, then it's kind of a bunch of baloney, you know? So don't talk about yourself, just do it on the field kind of thing. And so, um, I think that, um, you know, as a softball player, because we do have a male counter counterpart, um, a lot of times the girls are compared to men in certain ways. And so I think that, you know, kind of, like I said, like for me, just being genuine to who I was, I like to play with a lot of enthusiasm. I play my best when I have a lot of enthusiasm. I don't have to get a base hit and have like a tough face. Like I smile when I play, you know? And so I don't have to act like this big, tough person because I got a base hit. Like, no, I'm excited and I'm fired up. And I think just owning that about my game is great. And I never had to look at a baseball player and be like, oh, I wish, you know, I could do this like them or, you know, whatever. It's just kind of like our game is faster 
Um, smaller dimensions, yes, but it's based on the ball size and our bat difference because our bats are shaped differently. They have a bigger barrel but a smaller ball. We have a smaller barrel and a bigger ball. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, it just it is what it is. The two games are totally complementary um, but different. And so I think just living and celebrating exactly what you are um, and not trying to compare yourself or um, live up to or it depends like what you are and what you are and what the game is is just so beautiful. So, um, I don't know, just the whole masculine side of it, I think having the male counterpart, that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and in softball, just like in soccer, there's not one shape fits all. Um, you have to be athletic. But I think even more so in softball, like you see all shapes and sizes, and it takes all shapes and sizes. And that's great as long as you're athletic, like – that's all that matters. Like if you can play the game, you can play the game. Um, you know, you have pitchers that are six, whatever, you know, maybe a little bit bigger legs to get more power and they pitch the ball super fast. Or you can have a shortstop that's five foot nothing, uh, maybe thinner in stature, but they can all play the same game. So I think that, um, just by owning who you are and like, you don't have to, sport doesn't equate with masculinity. Like you can be a female and be completely athletic. Um, you know, one of the words that I like to use is like graceful. Like when somebody told me I look graceful when I run or graceful, like that's a compliment to me. But for a man to be told they look graceful, they would probably take that as feminine and as an insult. But why? Because if you look up a lot of synonyms to grace, a lot of it has to do with athleticism, which is actually mm. really um something that I'm really into and passionate about and so um you know that's like I said just loving who you are where you're at like it's okay to wear a ribbon to play softball like that was one of the things that I love to do like I like to wear like in college I wore eyeshadow when I played softball you know what that's okay (laughs) like I can wear a ribbon and that's okay and just because I do those things doesn't mean any less of an athlete and the way that I play the game shows that Hmm. so it's not about how you talk how you present yourself it's can you do well at your sport? And that has no bounds by gender. So mm-hmm. I think um, there, it's definitely there. Um, but I think with especially all the things going on, you know, with the women's national soccer team and things like that, they've just shown that you can be authentically feminine and you can be authentically athletic and still be a great athlete, be a great sports player and all these things and by your feminine nature. And I think that's beautiful and it's how we were made and it's not comparing one versus the other. It's I'm this and I'm the best at this in my ability. So, yeah, no, thank you for that because it's such a parallel for life, you know, women in, whether it's in sport or the business world or life, like there is a lot of comparison towards men. And it's like you said, softball and baseball are very different. Men and women are very different. Um, that were comp- but they're complementary, you know, and I think because of the history of sport, you know, who did women have to look to men, you know, because historically it was, it was men who got to play sports. But I think we've moved into a time where, you know, just as you were talking earlier, you have these little girls who look up to you and, and see you wearing a, a ribbon and see you wearing eyeshadow, but see, and see you playing with a smile, but also see your intensity and your skill and mm-hmm. they now have a model of, wow, I can be intense and I can play competitively, but I can also be who I am and I can play with joy 
or, um, you know, or I can be six feet tall and strong and, and still play this sport, or I can be five feet tall and leaner and quick and still play this sport. I, I think that that's the beauty of sports. You know, you, it's a microcosm in, in softball. You, you need different body types for different positions, but different sports, right? Different types of, of women and bodies and skill sets are, are succeeding, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's just so cool that we are moving into this time. And, and I thank you for being a, a model for young women, um, where, yeah, we can really embrace who we are as women. We can embrace who we are as, as faithful Catholic women, um, but also as athletes and, and really um, love that about ourselves and love that God, you know, created us in that way. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I think is just so unique and beautiful too is that, you know, it is a unique situation that, you know, obviously in a family, a mother would be more the caretaker. And so as a woman, once you get to a certain age, um, you know, a lot of times a family or marriage or whatever is something that kind of comes into play that men don't necessarily have to worry about because you can be 35 playing professional baseball and your wife and your kids can come along with you, you know, but as a woman having, you know, the childbearing process and recovering from that is such a huge thing. So I think it's super, super applaudable for those women who, you know, get married, still play, you know, that means a lot to me. And that's why, you know, the season I wore my maiden name and my now married name on the back of my jersey. And I think it's such an example that just because you are a woman doesn't put an expiration date on how long you can play. Um, you know, as long as you take care of your body, as long as that's feasible for you and potentially your family, then I think that's such a beautiful thing. And so, you know, you can get married and still play. You can have children and still play, you know, as long as that works for you and your family. And it's not saying that you're selfish if you don't. Uh, It's not saying you're selfish if you do go back. But everybody has their own path. And so I just think it's so cool and so strong and powerful and, like, just uniquely feminine that you can see women moving on to different stages of their life and still showing, like, this doesn't mean I have an expiration date. Like I can mm-hmm. still be a super fierce competitor and do all these other things. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's so uniquely feminine and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So Bailey, as we wrap up, um, we always end our podcast with a physical and a spiritual challenge. So do you have one that you'd like to suggest for our listeners? I do. So one word that always really carried me, especially when um, I felt anxious or worried that, you know, big situations in games or maybe in training, um, that word was courageous. And so my prayer is always, Lord, make me courageous. And so um, right before I would put on my batting gloves on deck, so that's right when you're about to go bat, um, I would always pray that prayer on my left batting glove as I was tightening it up. And so actually, um, I work with Maruchi Sports, and so I'm their softball ambassador. And so through that, I've been able to, um, you know, have my own line of sporting equipment, which is really cool and such a blessing. But um, on those batting gloves, on the left side, on the left hand, I actually have Courageous. So a little something that is able to connect with me for those who have it, but then also just kind of to evangelize in a way, you know, because when you think of Courageous, I just think it's such a noble word. And so I just want to encourage those who um, hear this, that next time you're working out or in a game or whatever situation you may be in where you feel a little anxious, um, maybe a little nervous, just remind yourself how great you are, how great God is, and just pray the simple prayer, Lord, make me courageous. And I think there's going to be a lot of fruit from it. That's awesome. That's, I love that. 
I love that. And we'll um we'll put the link in in our notes for Marucci Sports in your line in case we have any listeners who uh, want to yeah softball yeah. players want to buy some of that. That's awesome. Um, and then what about what about a spiritual goal? So in this off season, I really um, found more of a devotion to the rosary. And so I'm going to go ahead and challenge every person listening to pray a rosary when you get a chance. Matter of fact, I want you to start off your day. Whatever day you pick this week, pick a day this week. I want you to start off your day and just see how different it makes your whole day. Maybe wake up 30 minutes earlier. It only takes about 15, 20 minutes to pray the rosary. So maybe wake up and just start your day off like that. And I promise you're going to feel a difference. Mm. Uh, Praying it every day has become a... um, an intentional thing that I've done. And I definitely, when I do sleep in a little late or don't do it first thing in the morning, I can a hundred percent feel my heart going in 10,000 different ways. So I just want to encourage and challenge you that pick a day this week, wake up a little earlier, maybe make it part of your morning coffee breakfast routine, but pray the rosary. And as you pray it, find out what mysteries are for that day and really focus on the fruit of whatever mystery you're focusing on. Because I think that um, a lot of times the rosary can become a habit, like a lot of things in our faith. And so I think really looking into that mystery and whatever part of the gospel that it's focusing on, um, and really just focusing on that in your life, in your sport life, and whatever's going on in life, um, and really pondering that as you pray, it'll it'll make a difference. So I challenge you to pray a intentional rosary. I love that. No, the rosary is absolutely incredible. And that's a new spiritual goal. So um, I'm excited for our listeners to, to try that. And for those of you who maybe have never prayed a rosary, you don't know how to pray a rosary, I will make sure to include a little link in our show notes of, of kind of a how-to, yeah. um, how to pray the rosary. And um, yeah, what are what are the mysteries of the rosary? You know, it's, it's times where we get to reflect on different events of Jesus's life. And oftentimes there's a fruit tied with that um, that is it's just a theme or a virtue uh, with, within each mystery that, that you can really concentrate on. And I love, I love as well, Bailey, concentrating on the fruits of, of the mystery. So we'll make sure to have those in the show notes. All right. Well, Bailey, it's been so fun getting to chat with you and getting to know you. And um, you are just such a, a beautiful woman. You're integrated. You're, you're fierce on so many different levels and it's just, yeah, it's just refreshing. And it's, I know there's so many women out there, like the women that watch you play and, and see God in you and, and see just a, a light. I know that, um, our listeners from just listening to our conversation are gonna, are gonna walk away with the same thing. So thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a great experience. I can't wait to continue, um, seeing where fierce goes and hopefully be a part of it. Awesome. Well, thanks guys for listening. Um, please feel free to, um, yeah, look up Bailey's, uh, gear line, Marucci sports. We'll have that link in the bio, um, connect with her, follow her on Instagram. Please continue to follow us, leave us any reviews on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear more from you and and what you'd like to hear from this podcast. So know that we're praying for you. We will include our listeners in our rosary, uh, that we're going to pray uh, this coming week. And we, we ask that you would include us in yours. All right. Thanks, everybody. Play fierce. Pray fierce. Live fierce.